You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Thanks for joining us on Locked On Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We have the local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail, and Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. Nada, are you sad that you don't have the pessimistic Hornets fan with Julian Council with us today for you to kind of feed off of, even though you guys have a weird um, relationship the things yes. you do agree on and the things you don't agree on? It, it, look, again, me and Julian, that, uh, Julian's like my little brother. So <laughs> I have to, I have to, I mess with them sometimes. And there's sometimes where we, we agree. There's sometimes where we disagree. Um, I am not here for the, again, he isn't, again, the church of Hornets nihilism is closed for today. And why is it closed? Because we got our deep dive from Sam Vecini of The Athletic. We were waiting on it, right? Like we wanted this content. We knew it was coming because we did talk a little bit about of a taste of what Sam Vecini gave us, I believe, on the podcast. We discussed that at the beginning of the week. We were waiting for this thing to drop. And it's a very detailed piece on the athletic and you can go catch it from Sam Vecini. Um, it's, it's really in depth. He really did a good job with it. While I disagree with some of the stuff that's in there, it's certainly well done as far as what his point of view is on what the Hornets should do, what they have on their roster right now, the kind of skill sets they should attack. Not only that the Hornets um, should be considering, but he also gives you a handful of second round selections with that 32nd overall pick they have. He gives you a few of the prospects there, which is, you know, damn close mm-hmm. to a first round pick. Um, you could find a useful player. Hello, Cody Martin, maybe to the likes of what he was able to contribute as soon as his rookie year in the NBA. So let's get to it, Nada. I mean, this is something we were waiting for. I'll open up with what his opening paragraph is. Sam Vecini, to start it off, he writes, quote, The Hornets are in one of the weirder spots in the NBA and have a summer of options and flexibility that could wholly alter the next era of Hornets basketball. In many ways, this was a transition year following the departure of Kimball Walker. The team just didn't really have the high-end talent to rock the boat across the league in any real substantial way. And yet, they were consistently feisty because of the culture and habits built up by the front office and second-year coach James Borrego. I thought that was a good summary. Um, Yes. I think when you talk about one of the weirder spots in the NBA, I I, I don't know if it's all that weird, Nada. I think what you see here, it's a team that overachieved, probably greater than the sum of its parts. Nobody Uh expected them to have this kind of record. And the point differential kind of indicates that their clutch time stats that might be more predicated on luck. I think that indicates that. I don't want to take away credit in that regard, but no. you know, certainly luck has to be uh, a part of the equation there. And so I, I think it's pretty straightforward. And I think Sam Vecini eventually does a great job of laying it down. What the Hornets are is pretty straightforward. But it, it I saw David Walker put this out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I agree with him. He's saying it's no small statement to say that they have a good culture and they have habits that built were built up by the front office and second-year coach James Borrego to allow them to do what they did this season, to finish, I guess, ninth before the Wizards completely faltered in the bubble for the Hornets to actually pass the Wizards after that. And the way that the Hornets were playing, I mean, who knows? Maybe they could have actually uh, passed the Wizards in a regular NBA season. But I am here for the culture that's being established, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But I am here for the culture that's getting established, and I am excited to see what the Hornets are going to do with this third overall pick and what they're going to do with the options that they have this summer. Yeah, a lot of this has been really, really just exciting to see it as a whole. But as David Walker points out, and as you point out, quite honestly, like this is no small feat because this culture could have been rocked multiple times. It could have been rocked with the the suspension by Monk. It could have been rocked by Terry Rozier if he didn't want to go, he didn't want to buy into the program. And it could, it could have been rocked by just Miles' struggles. Again, people trusted the development process, and I hate to borrow something from Philly, but they trusted the development. They trusted the, the, the developmental curve. Oh, God, my tongue's tied right now. But um, a lot of this is just a lot of this – like there's no, again, I think we take advantage of that. I think we take it for granted sometimes. And the fact that it doesn't, like it still registers and it's noted early on is one of those things I think we need to pay attention to in terms of who they bring in, in terms of who do, who do they think fits. And whether, again, and this is where I think interviews are going to matter a lot more. A lot of these Zoom interviews, because there aren't going to be those in-person interviews, but a lot of the Zoom interviews, those are going to be important going forward and how people react to that. And so that's going to be really, really interesting to see go, going forward. I think they do have something laid upon. And I think that was the most important thing for this Hornets team to do. Really any team that's looking to rebuild. Um, and I think that's what they've done. So Sam Bassini, he would also go on to write that the team has developed prospects well. Uh, they need that superstar, though, to take them to the next level and Nada, that's where the third overall pick enters in. And mm -hmm. I kind of want to talk about how they got the third pick because Sam Bassini kind of talks about it a little bit. He discusses something what I thought was pretty fascinating. You know, he says that the Hornets, perhaps there are no team, there's no team in the NBA that deserves the third overall pick more than the Charlotte Hornets. And it's funny because he references the Hornets always going for a playoff spot, always trying to compete to at least get one of those last couple of spots into the postseason. But of course, they were on the outside looking in the last few seasons, and that would give them the ninth, 10th, 11th overall pick, something very mm -hmm. mediocre, a lot tougher to hit on a star like that. And eventually, they would be in the state of mediocrity that they could not escape. But because they kept going for it, I just thought that's not a take I've heard, that the Hornets deserve a third overall pick more so than any other team. Maybe the fan base. I've heard that like you can, Zach Lowe likes to throw punches all the time at the mm -hmm. decisions the Hornets have made. And he says that I remember reading um, his, I think his excerpt on Devonte Graham saying that the Hornets fans needed this badly. And so maybe the Hornets fans deserved better, but I haven't heard really like the Hornets deserve something as good and it seems like the Hornets were rewarded for the mediocre standing in the Eastern Conference rather than punished for it this season, Yeah, which I think should have been the case as decided by the lottery gods. Nada, I think the Hornets would constantly bet on themselves and try to 
be in one of those last playoff spots. And I don't like that way of thinking, but it seems here that they have a clear established plan on what they want to do. And because of that, the new lottery system, um, it did reward them being mediocre in a very different way where the standings in the Eastern Conference, they weren't all that different from when Kimba was here and from when he wasn't here in the last couple of seasons, but they were certainly rewarded in a very different way. Rather than selecting 12th, they're selecting third. And I do think that because the Hornets did change their ways, that I, I am glad that the lottery gods blessed us with the third overall pick. And I think the Hornets got the third overall pick in the right way. Yeah, they did do it the right way. But I also think, Walker, when we start talking about this stuff, like we have to be honest with ourselves. They could have rolled over a couple of times. They could have traded Kemba Walker for parts and and blown it up and done it Philly style. And they chose not to. And for And again, I think I like it as a reward, as I like it as... We've, I think one thing we always seem to ignore is that the culture, take a look at a place like Philly uh, that just shamelessly tanked, that basically was the 30 million lawn gnomes on someone's yard that looks ugly and everything else like that. They were the wart of the NBA for quite a long time. And they were used as a bludgeon as, see, this is what's wrong with the NBA. Then you had the Knicks that shamelessly do it too, do it as well. Like, you have teams that functionally do this and figure, you know what, we're just going to collect the revenue-sharing money, we're going to do this, thing. we're going to be as bad as we can, and we're going to lie to the fans. And the Hornets, for all their, like, for all their flaws, for all their faults, they wanted to just con- continue to compete. And I think that's very, very important because, as you see, when we start talking about places with bad culture, and it fits right into what Vicini says early, but when you start thinking about places with bad culture, you think about Philly. You think about the Knicks constantly. Like things like that matter when it comes to building winning programs, winning franchises. So the fact that they never tanked like that or they learned their lesson from 2012 and realized we can't do that again because it's a it's a, just as a, just as long as you tank, it's probably going to take just as long to clean up the culture. That kind of part matters when we start talking about all of this. And that's why I, I fully believe they deserve this because rather than reward the folks that are shamelessly tanking, again, I forgot to add Cleveland in terms of that too. Like rather than reward the Clevelands, the Knicks, the, the, again, the people, the teams that shamelessly tank, we got something that we did deserve. And as long as the fans understand that, yes, the Hornets did deserve this, then cool. I, again, I have no arguments, but I will fully agree that th- this was deserved because they did not tank. Certainly after this year, in my opinion, I would say. And now the big question is, can they get that superstar? It's no secret. This is what Sam writes and enter the third overall pick for at least that specific thing. Even with a weekend draft class, it does mm-hmm. give you certainly a lot of opportunities to select that guy more so than other teams are going to have picks that are further down and are picking where the Hornets used to pick with the 11th or the 10th overall selection in the NBA draft. And a superstar is the next thing that could bring them to another level that just doesn't seem to be there. And I think that is the reason to give pause to the perceived success that is on the way for the Hornets. It's the fact that they have hit on PJ Washington um, we'll see about Miles Bridges. Devontae Graham certainly is a second round pick that has hit. Uh, we like what Cody Martin is giving you right now. We, we can go down the list. We do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But the fact that 
they have hit on all of those guys and none of them are real stars. That is the thing that needs to happen for this team. That the guy that looks like he could be a perennial all-star to bring this team to the next level. I will say this. I do know what another all-star is already. Like we already know the potential and the established reputation that they have is an all-star and that is rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, and rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing the prices based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. They also have something for everybody, and they do not require a membership or an account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. You can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Uh, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. I want to get into some of the guys that could be there for the third overall pick that Sam Vecini likes, and we'll talk about how they would mesh uh, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. All I have to go off of is write-ups and highlights and some video tidbits on Twitter because I was not able to watch this game. Tidbits? Like tidbits? That's a, well, it's a great word. Tidbits. It, I mean, that's just a, a funny word. word. Tidbits. I want to use it every single day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So we've talked about it quite a bit, even before Sam Bassini's article. He gets to it here. How can the Hornets get their next star? He starts off this paragraph by saying, quote, this one really isn't that complicated. Over the last seven years, the Hornets have been good enough to where they never picked higher than ninth, but not good enough to actually win at a high level. They've been competent enough to be competitive, but not quite good enough to where they're actually competing. That along with the fact that they capped themselves out during Kimball Walker's second contract in order to try to win around him with role players has led them to being stuck in the middle. And so that goes back to what we were talking about in the first segment. They're not in the middle as far as the NBA draft is concerned anymore. They have a chance at a top three prospect, which is different. It's so different that it's actually led Mitch Kupchak to even be adamant that this is something a little bit different than we were than where we were selecting in previous NBA drafts. Mm-hmm. He would also write a little bit about the roster. I want to get to the roster part of this tomorrow. But yes. one thing he does mention is that PJ Washington looks like the long-term starter who will make nine figures in his career, but he doesn't have the shot creation ability to be counted on to be the number one option. He also mentions that Devonte Graham is a good shooter, but is one of, as demonstrated in the first two seasons of his career, he's one of the worst finishers at the rim. He kind of puts an importance on shot creation for the Hornets, a, a substantial, consistent shot creator, a guy that can go get his own bucket, which isn't foreign to what anybody's analysis is as far as what constitutes a star in this league. I would agree that the Hornets need that and a consistent score that can, you know, be the classic. Who is your, who's your classic six, six to, you know, six, eight, six, nine guy that can go on the wing. And, and we, we kind of have that image in our head or who could just be the guy with a ton of star potential. So not a, let's just kind of go down the list. He gives us six options, yes. what the Hornets should do. And he lists them in importance of order and let's not rapid fire, but let's somewhat be quick with the options that he presents. And he has LaMelo ball as his number one option 
for the Hornets and what would be their best case scenario, which I, I think has. With, yeah, I fully agree with that. I fully agree with that. So, yeah, LaMelo Ball being the number one guy, he says, again, to me, the Hornets need a star. And if I were them, I would be drafting the player I thought had the most upside, regardless of position, letting my development team do the work. And he has LaMelo Ball as the number one player on his board. One interesting thing about this, Nada, which I know you will appreciate, is he singles out Jay Hernandez, a guy that has a great reputation for working with guards as well as anybody in the NBA, which is something I think to consider when you're talking about a LaMelo Ball or uh, Sam Vecini's second option with Anthony Edwards. But Nada, you agree with Sam. Why do you think LaMelo Ball is the best case scenario for this Hornets team? They need a star. They need a guy that, and it, further down, he brings up something that I I really do believe that field goal percentage is a lot better than it probably it, that than it probably needs to be. Like it can be better. I think it's deflated because of poor shot selection and it's shots that he's not going to take in the NBA. I fully believe that, and I'm not as worried about the shot as everybody else. And I I'll continue to say that if we're talking about guys that can be stars. LaMelo Ball is numero uno on this list. Wings win rings. If no one gets anything else from me in this draft season, wings win rings, Walker. Just just, just go with it. You want to say it too. I, I No, you're saying it enough for the both of us in the episodes that we uh, record here. Look, he talks about his three to one assist to turnover ratio, which is really nice having played in a professional league. I do worry about the shot, but I do think, and I've been on record um, a ton along with you, Nada. I do think that LaMelo Ball does mesh really well with a Devontae Graham and or to Terry Rozier. It, what Terry Rozier demonstrated this year was that his best ability, I think, as a player in the NBA is catch and shoot. And Devontae Graham is also a really good creator. Like, the passes that would come from Devontae Graham and LaMelo does have me salivating. That would be a lot of fun to see both mm-hmm. of those guys mm-hmm. creating plays for everybody else on this team. And LaMelo Ball is a bigger point guard to put along the smaller point guard that you have in Devontae. It doesn't mean that LaMelo is a good defender, but it does mean that he has the tools. Can you coach him up enough to become a good defender? Can he even can he be a good enough one to where maybe you could even hide Devontae Graham with all the other defensive versatility that you would have in the front court? That's enticing to me. If LaMelo Ball were the selection at number three overall, I would be just fine with that. I I get you on the star potential that he has. And so if he was the number three overall pick, then I would be just fine with that. I do think he meshes well with this Hornets roster as it stands right now. And the creation along with the Devontae or just the creation period, like clearly he's the best passer in this draft. Yes. And uh, I would be really excited about that. All right, let's go to his number two option. He's also in the backcourt. And he also mentions Jay Hernandez as a guy that could help develop another one of these prospects. It's Anthony Edwards. He's the guard out of Georgia. He says, quote, Edwards also represents a terrific backcourt swing for the Charlotte Hornets. He says, I get why there will be some apprehension here because of how the Malik Monk selection has worked out. He would go into some of the reasoning, Nada. Yeah. I, I don't think he's right about this at all. Malik Monk was such a different player coming out of college where Anthony Edwards, one Malik Monk was considered not only one of the best, but maybe the best shooter coming out um, into the NBA, coming out of college into the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the knocks that we have on Anthony Edwards. I, I think Malik Monk clearly was this wiry, really skinny dude still is, even if he did put on some weight and Anthony Edwards is somewhat of a bowl at that. I think yeah, anybody the- is worried too much about his frame right now. I don't get the comparison there with Malik. I don't think that's what has me 
um, I, with some apprehension here. I think what has me is the fact that I'm a little worried about um, some of the motor things that we've seen from him. But even if you're able to get rid of that, I don't think he's this great playmaker. The shot selection's bad there. And I don't know if the shooting is something that I fully believe in with his mechanics either. What do you think about Anthony Edwards being the number two spot for Sam Bassini? I agree with you that we can't compare Malik and, and Anthony Edwards. Like we can't at all. We cannot. I don't, I think that's unfair to Malik because like you said, the physical stature alone, Anthony Edwards is built for the league right now. And he's only going to be physically more prepared by the time he gets through a a full year of NBA weight training. That being said, I, Here's the thing, Walker, you have made me, again, you have berated me and you have beaten me down with this <laughs> Devin Vassell stuff. Yeah, that's right. For, for long enough to where, like, I can see where people love De- where people who love Devin Vassell might have him over in Anthony Edwards or so, put him at least in the same category. And that's, like, I'm at that point where, after LaMelo, there's a gap between the rest of the wings. Like, there's yeah, a gap. Yeah, like, draft draft assessment is, is all about risk evaluation, right? Like, like or risk assessment, draft evaluation, I should say, is all about risk assessment. And do you think that Devin Vassell is a sure enough thing, more so than you think Anthony Edwards could reach the star potential, enough to take the Florida State product over the one-year guy out of Georgia? And to me, I think that's really close because I'm – crazy tantalized by Anthony Edwards potential, but I just mentioned all of the flaws that come his way. Um, and, and, you know, another comparison he makes with Malik Monk is the fact that Anthony Edwards is, is a better driver than Malik. And maybe that was true coming out of college, but I mean, we saw how Malik Monk fundamentally changed the way that he played this year. The dude was awesome at driving and even defensively, maybe that's the one thing you could have said about Malik is we were really worried about his defense coming out of college. Same thing with Anthony Edwards, but but even now, Malik has become, to me, a a much better defender. Like, yeah, he's not a world beater. He's not going to come close to any all-defensive team consideration. There's still some problems there. But he's gotten a lot better, in my opinion. And so can Anthony Edwards be that guy, too, that gets better? Maybe. Um, the, the talent is there, man. Like, I, I wouldn't be up in arms if no. the Hornets decided to select Anthony Edwards because there's a lot to like here. I, I'm just scared to death. If if it came down between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, not I do think I would go with a LaMelo Ball before an Anthony Edwards, but it's not yes. anything that I'm going to be crazy angry over if they decide to go with the Georgia product. The thing is, now, when you start thinking about my board, like, when we start talking about just straight-up draft boards, LaMelo's number one, and I agree with everyone that has LaMelo number one. Anthony, like I said, Anthony Edwards, physically, he's one of those guys, and I get why... Anyone would anyone that has Anthony Edwards over Lamelo, I can understand just because the physical gifts are just that good and they're that tantalizing. And getting an athlete, and if you just get just wire him different, you get him in the gym and you work with him. I can see why people are tantalized by that because you put that kind of athletic guard in Charlotte, and he and let's say he does well, like he may be the best two guard in this town since Jason Richardson if you do it right. And I completely understand. Yeah, and, and Sam Bassini does mention that he thinks he has issues that are all pretty fixable. They just need to yeah. be adjusted. And, you know, it's all about whether Anthony Edwards is, is going to be able to do that. And so, sure, you know, I, I, I understand uh, the talent there. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the trade option because we talked about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of trading up. Um, you get the point. Sam Bassini, 
uh, as somebody that talks about the options that they could have in order to shore up one of those backcourt mates. Like it seems to be pretty clear for Sam that if we're just talking about prospects, Lamella Ball and Anthony Edwards are in a tier by themselves. You drop one, and then it's the big guys that he goes to. And let's go ahead and go to those options that he talks about. Let's talk about the comparison between James Wiseman and Anyeka Kongwu, Nada, because I think it is pretty interesting. Yeah. With the defensive James, one that he mentioned, that Sam mentions, yeah. is I think is the most important part of that, of either comparison. Right. So with James Wiseman, he talks that James Wiseman is not the switchy defender on the perimeter, although he's not going to get embarrassed on an island. He's more of the guy that you play drop coverage with, funnel everybody towards the middle, and then have him protect the rim. With Anyeka Kungwu, it's the much more switchy defender, um, but doesn't have the offensive potential that one James Wiseman might have. And it, But it is somebody that even with the NBA going to a small ball lineup, that's somebody that you might feel more comfortable if somebody else is going to throw their 6'9 guy at center. Akungwu can certainly do that. And mm-hmm. just like Wiseman isn't going to be embarrassed out in the perimeter, Akungwu I don't think is going to be embarrassed at the rim And uh, as far as his rim protection goes. So it's what do you value more between Akungwu and a James Wiseman? Akungwu doesn't have a shot. Wiseman does have touch. Um, and so that might go into your evaluation as well. Uh, not I would ask you, but I have a feeling that a Kung Wu is the guy that you would choose between the two. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> we, and here's the thing. I'm fairly certain so are the Hornets. Like, I think with the way that James Borrego likes to do his defense, and one thing that we've consistently bashed him on is why are they switching all the time? Why are they switching? Why are they switching? If the idea is to have guys that can switch positions and switch on the pick and roll and have that switchy defense that everybody loves, the answer is simple. You have a Kongwu. It's a Kongwu, and it's not close. They try to do it with with Cody Zeller and put him in drop drop because he can't do switch. He can't switch onto guards anymore. And we saw Cody just get abused on drop. Well, and, and Cody's not a rim protector, right? Nope. That the po- post defense, and and I like Cody. I think he's a good player in the NBA. Cody, that's one of his worst things, is just defending in the post. And so I could understand why, because of that, you might want to go Wiseman, and yet not as far as the defense goes. Akungwu entices me a lot more with his ability, his his uh, you know his, his footwork. Um, you know that's that is something that does entice me more defensively a little bit more than what James Wiseman does because these teams, they go small man. And who do you trust more guarding the six, nine guy that is mobile at the five? Um, Do you trust a, a Kung Wu more or a Wiseman? And pretty clearly to me, it's a Kung Wu. Like we can go to the Raptors. They they had Ananobi, you know, running five, I believe, or even with like a guy like last night. Yeah. Even with a guy like Serge Ibaka, they're going to try to, you know, put him on the perimeter in real significant championship uh, journey games. And then are you going to have to take James Wiseman off of the floor? Like we've kind of talked about, I agree. Give me the switchy guy. Um, you know, I, I would go a Kung Wu before I would go James Wiseman. And, and it's, and it really it's all not has close. to do with defense. Yeah. Like it's close for me. Because I think offensively, the ability for James Wiseman to shoot from three does entice me too. And he t- kind of talks about Miles Turner. If, if James Wiseman can become a better Miles Turner, or he's, then yeah, I would take that. Uh, I just, w- with the defense being there, I, I would want somebody that can handle his own a little bit more with smaller guys than what James Wiseman would be able to. Um, that's yeah. why I would go that way. Yeah, like, again, I just, 
The one thing I worry about Wiseman is I think we're projecting entirely too much about what his offense can be. And I don't think he's as quick as people have looked at. And there was a, um, and we didn't even talk about it, but Kevin O'Connor put out all of his, uh, put out his mock draft. And when he, when you start seeing the weaknesses of one James Wiseman, start looking at some of those. If he's not quick enough and if he can't stay in front of NBA defenders, even bigs, that's a problem. And the big thing about bigs, and this is the one thing that I've kind of learned right now, is offensively they may be great, but the center's position right now, especially for what it is in 2020, your biggest thing is you've got to be able to switch on defense and you've got to be able to protect the rim. I'm not sure Wiseman does one or two, one or both of those things right now. Yeah. Um, and it scares me. Um, going to the last one here, I don't even want to spend too much time on it. The last option that he has is Obi Toppin. He references the Hornets' perceived love of established college guys when referencing Obi Toppin, which we both kind of disagree with as well. And then I'm just going to read this one sentence that immediately shuts down the selection for me. Like, this is the guy they would select that I would be the most angry about. It's Obi Toppin. And he says, quote, Charlotte should be looking for play creators on offense or defensive stalwarts who can help solidify that end of the floor. Toppin is neither of those things, much as I love his game. Completely agree. If they select Obi Toppin, that's the guy, realistically, of course, uh, that's the guy they would select that I'd be the most angry with. If you're selecting Obi Toppin, then they've traded back. That's the only way it makes sense. And they've traded back for a lot. That's mm-hmm. the only way that draft makes sense. And then on top of that, you're probably trading Miles Bridges on top with, with that. So that's the only way any Obi Toppin thing makes sense because otherwise y'all going to have a lot of explaining. And the booze that we heard when Cody Zeller was drafted, oh, they'll be topped. And again, they may storm, <laughs> nice they may storm Spectrum. They may storm Spectrum for that one. Uh, I see what you did there. Um, one thing that I would draft high on my list, not if you had an app draft, one of the apps that I would take, Number one overall, it would be DoorDash. You've counted Absolutely. on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. While their uh, dining rooms may be closed, they are still open for delivery, and that is all because of DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, and they bring it directly to your door. Ordering is easy, too. You can just open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and then your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep the communities open and uh, operating at a safe pace. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and $0 delivery fee on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget that's code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, for $5 off of your first order with DoorDash. We'll talk about the second round picks next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, I, you know, I just I spend some time away from the show, and you're still the same old Walker. All right, yeah, give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun. I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun now that you mentioned it. How about, uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape oh jelly is the noun I was going to get. A plural noun. This isn't hard. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Before we get to the second round picks, uh, real time, we're getting in a tweet, I believe, as you mentioned, Nada from Sham Sharania, that the NBA season is not expected to begin 
before Christmas Day. So it's going to be a weird schedule. Um, also, I did see just a couple of days ago that the NBA is pushing back the NBA draft, or at least there's thoughts about it, pushing it back even further into the uh, mid-teens of October. Oh, or is it November? Is that what they're November. discussing? November. November. Yeah. So uh, who knows about what this timeline is going to look like, which is really unfortunate for these prospects. And I'm sure it makes it harder on these general managers that are just going to have their own time to uh, just that much more time to rot with their own thoughts to second guess themselves. Like, I wonder if that actually would take place. I can't imagine it would. But yeah. I wonder if it takes place so much to the point where maybe if it were to happen in October, they would have selected one guy, but they found out some new information in November that would make them take another guy. Like, I wonder if we're going to see anything like that, um, if that were to be the case. But Yeah, you know, again, there, there could be like a Michael Porter-like outburst. Michael Porter Jr.-like outburst. Oh, my which, God. Which, which, mind you, um, guys, th- I those... I fully expected this. Yes, yes. There's a reason that he wasn't drafted here besides the back. And you saw it last night. I saw John Hollinger tweet that out, and he's a part of the Lockdown family, that the injury was clearly the reason, the back injury was clearly the reason he fell so far, because he was supposed to be a top one pick, considerate, uh, at least, uh, in consideration for that. But I, one, you know, who knows what kind of personality he demonstrated to other people that the NBA inquired about, and um, you know, who knows if that actually had a real effect. But man, those comments... They're damning. Like, there's no way. Yeah, I saw Damian Lillard going off on him on Twitter. You have to wonder what Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic are thinking about this guy. And that, Mike Malone. Right. And Mike Malone. Even more so Mike Malone, to, almost to a certain degree, where it's like, you know, it's, it's basically more so questioning his coaching philosophy at having those two guys be the two guys on offense. It's interesting Michael Porter is saying this too, not because I was watching the game last night and you know how they have the mic'd up where they're mm-hmm. you know, going to these different players. You can hear their comments. I heard Jamal Murray as Nikola Jokic was going past him to go to the post and play defense on his way past him. Um, Jamal Murray is saying me and you, man, me and you like, which, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything that Michael Porter was right by any means or, or the stretch. That's not what I mean, but it is funny how, yeah, clearly those are your two guys. Those two guys have played at a, at a level above everyone. Michael Porter Jr. defensively has been just absolutely atrocious. I will say this. The dude offensively is crazy, crazy skilled already. Like that yes, guy he is. is crazy talented. Yes. Um, but I want, you know, you've got the video of him talking about how the coronavirus is just a way for the government to control everyone. And now you have this where he's calling out his teammates as a rookie, his first ever taste in the playoffs. He's saying, no, give me the damn ball. And this is somebody that it's not necessarily known as this big time playmaker either. No, exactly. And the thing is, it wasn't just Dame saying this. D- Dame didn't say it was. Look, Jameer Nelson had to say something about this and said, yo, look, kid, this is a bad look. Yo, Hito Turgaloo lives in Turkey and was bombing from three and saying, are you serious, bro? <laughs> like, this is where we're at with this, Walker. This is how bad it's going to get. This um, is not like this is not good. Like, here's the thing. And this is, again, this is the wheels are turning. I know I said there's a reason he's not here. But depending on what the price is, if they need to get him out of there at the end of the season, I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes either. About what? What are you, I don't even know what you're asking. I don't even know what you're saying. Are you saying that the Hornets would want to trade for him? Like, what are yeah, you talking yes, about? Yes, yes, yes. Because I think he, I think he's going to nuke himself out of the locker room before this is all over. I and, legit- and, and so you didn't want to draft him, but now you want to trade for him? 
Depending on the price. Depending on the <laughs> price. Depending on the price. If it, if it costs you Nick Batum and, some, and, and pieces, would you really be up all that upset? No, but it's exactly no, that's not what it would be though. Like I had a euro. Let, let me dream. Let Jr. me dream. Let me I dream. Even, I don't even know what your dream is. Like your dream at first. Congratulations. Say, You're confused now. Let's go talk about the second round pitch before I make myself even more embarrassed. Let's do it. So he does talk about some of the second round possibilities for the Hornets. Sam Vecini does. He mentions uh, the names in this order. Xavier Tillman, Elijah, uh, Elijah Hughes from Syracuse, Daniel Aturu, Desmond Bain and Robert Woodard. Uh, Nada, what is one of the guys out of those handful that he mentioned that you like the most? I told you this before we got started that Desmond Bain might be the guy I'm the most interested in. And granted, he uh, the kid's 6'6", he plays below the rim, but the 43.3% from three, like, that's an NBA player, guys. That's an NBA player. I hope he's there at 32. I don't expect him there to be there at 32. And But he's the guy. I think the Hornets have to go two wings because I believe that the wing is probably the weakest point. And because of reasons that we'll talk about tomorrow, I think they address big in free agency. So Desmond Bain first. Daniel Aturu is another guy, even though I just said I expect two wings. Aturu's another guy who's got who Sam points out has anywhere from is mocked to be anywhere from 15 to 35. If he's there at 30, 35 or he's within reasonable trading range. Yeah. I kind of understand if you go him, cause I, I kind of like him. He's, he's big, he's strong, he's mobile. And as long as he defends the rim, that's all you need to ask of your big in 2020. I think Xavier Tillman is the guy that interests me the most here, Nada. And I, it goes to a little something that you've talked about quite a bit because we've had a lot of conversations surrounding the bigs and what the Hornets should do with James Wiseman. And you've kind of mentioned that you can wait later on in the draft to get that guy. So let's say that one of those backcourt dudes are taken with the third overall pick in LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards, then it would be you know common sense or it would certainly be logical for the Hornets to go after a big with that 32nd overall pick with either one of a Xavier Tillman or an Aturu who isn't defensively going to be the guy that you necessarily want. Um, but, you know, it is somebody that is considered a, a, a really talented, crazy productive big, at least in college this past season. But I do like Xavier Tillman because... You know, he is a really good defender. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. he's not the guy that's, you know, constantly going on the perimeter either. Um, kind of like what we talked about with James Wiseman, but it is someone that's a good rebounder. He actually averaged three assists this past season. So he does have some playmaking ability, which is something that I like. And I, I think that he's just a really smart basketball defender where I think he can do a pretty good job of defending the pick and roll. You know, give me Xavier Tillman, I think, out of all of these guys, including Elijah Hughes, Desmond Bain, as you mentioned, and then Robert Woodard. Um, just some of the names, even Robert Woodard, understand, got a powerful frame is what Sam Bassini writes. He hit 40% from 3-2. But I think Tillman is the guy that I like the most out of all the second round picks that he mentioned. Now I, I do I do understand. And again, if you can be a guy that distributes the ball and helps move the ball as a center, and on top of that, protect the rim, yo, I love you too. So it's it's one of those things mm -hmm. like I think big is important, but I also think like Sam points out, he's a top twenty five guy. So if he falls to thirty two, you take it, you run, and you have you have another solid piece to your core because. If we're talking about ideal drafts, 
would you say it's LaMelo and, again, I would ask you, is it LaMelo Tillman or is it Vassell Tillman for you? Well, I know. Yep. Yep. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, I, I can't tell you, man, I'm hedging so hard on this. I think if you have the star potential with LaMelo, then, then LaMelo is fine for me to take. Um, but Devin Vassell to me is much more of a sure thing. And I think he does have a ceiling more than what people think. Like, I think Devin Vassell is a good enough playmaker, you know, even with that third overall pick, I'd be just fine with him. Like we're talking about, you know, even if Sam Vecini has Wiseman and a Kung Wu 4A and 4B, like that's what I have with LaMelo and Devin Vassell. It's 3A if it's the third overall selection, 3A and 3B. But really, yeah, yes, you know my love for Vassell. I, I think, man, defensively, how fun would that be defensively? You know, just being able to switch everybody in the world. And oh, also, he can pass and he can shoot the hell out of the ball. And they're crazy. Like, they're tough shots. That's the thing, man. Like, they're, they're not just wide open. Nobody's even within three feet of them. They're tough shots that he's getting contested. And even with him releasing at a high point, he actually gets the ball up pretty quickly anyways. We, we've heard enough about my love for Devin Vassell. Like, get like this with these guys, and then I can't stop talking about them. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to rockauto.com for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Again, really any show on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Have a great day. We have more of Sam Vecini's article to get to. He's got a roster breakdown of the players that are already on the team. We'll get to that on a Friday edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again for hopping.